We are in a study of the book of Proverbs. In our study, we found that wisdom is practical guidance for living a fruitful life. And we have a whole book in the Bible filled with practical guidance for living a fruitful life. Proverbs themselves are these short, condensed sayings that nicely encapsulate some piece of wisdom uh, that helps us to live fruitfully. They're short and condensed, which make them easy to learn, easy to remember, and easy to pass on. So Proverbs are great. It's smart not just to remember biblical Proverbs, uh, but to come up with uh, some personal Proverbs of your own. One of the things we've been trying to do is write some personal Proverbs down. Anybody write any personal Proverbs this week? Nina, come on, share one. Hurry, hurry, hurry. What's your personal proverb of the week? Uh, God was speaking to me, this is what I need to work on recently. And my proverb is, listening is love quietly and patiently working hard. Listening is love quietly and patiently working hard. I like that. Listening. Um, so ways to encapsulate and carry wisdom that you have learned so it doesn't just float out of your brain. What we're doing in this sermon series in the book of Proverbs is that we're taking a handful of chapters every week, four or five chapters or so, and then from those chapters I'm going to share a few of my favorites uh, that I have picked up over the years, including one proverb that is really speaking to me at this time in my life. And then from that handful of chapters from the week, uh, I'm going to I'm going to collect, uh, excuse me, from those chapters of the week, I'm going to collect a handful of Proverbs that typify one of the great themes of the book of Proverbs, because there are a number of themes that you can trace through the book, and this is our tour technique. So here are some of my favorite Proverbs, my personal favorite from this week's chapters, which are running from like, whoa, Proverbs 26, 27 through 29 or so this week. 27.14, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. I actually like some of the older English translations. Uh, a loud blessing in the morning is a curse to your neighbor. Um, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I've always loved that one. Um, particularly the last phrase, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I think, I think maybe more than anything else, the uh, people of Jesus in the world should be known for courage. You know, love probably figures in there prominently as well, but love and courage. Courage, I think, is, uh, is a great form of faith. Nothing should ever make us afraid as believers. Um, 28.5. Evildoers do not understand what is right. Some translations will say, evildoers do not understand what is justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Um, I just think that's, that's so true. You can't, you can't really just say what is sin and what is not uh, in the world because evil people won't understand, right? And so instead of just stating, hey, that's a sin, stop that. We have to explain it or we have to show what is righteousness. You have to demonstrate in order to make things understandable. Um, 
Here's a proverb that speaks to me right now in life. 27.12, the prudent or the wise see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Um, it does seem like a powerful proverb to you, but the wise see danger and take refuge. Um, sometimes I can be really stubborn, you know, and uh, refuse to change my plans or something like that. And wisdom is just kind of admitting that maybe your plan isn't going to work or admitting that you've taken a wrong turn somewhere and just calling danger, danger. No, that's dangerous. I'm going to stop. Uh, humility is a big part of wisdom. <clears throat> well, not surprisingly, the book of Proverbs also has a lot to say about what it takes to be a good person. You know, it's a book of wisdom in the Bible. We would expect that. We would expect wisdom on how to be a good person. And it strongly suggests that, that the foundational moral principle for building a robustly good life, a robustly moral life, is simple honesty. It's a ton of Proverbs about honesty, uh, which is interesting to me. You know, there aren't actually a lot of Proverbs about, say, killing people. Not too many Proverbs about why it's not wise to kill people. Um, there actually aren't too many Proverbs on the importance of loving people. You know, there are a few, depending on how you count, but not too many. But there are a ton of Proverbs about being honest with people. Is that, is that interesting to you? That honesty should receive so much press. Um, you could argue that honesty is probably the character of virtue that gets the most attention in the entire book of Proverbs. The other contenders are self-control and humility, but humility right there uh, among the top. Now, we know that honesty is a good thing, right? Can, it, can we all agree that honesty is pretty good? How many of you want to be a liar? Right, so we know that, that that's bad. But is honesty such a big deal that it should figure so prominently in the Bible's big book of wisdom? I just think that's a provocative observation that honesty plays such a huge role in the <clears throat> sayings on wisdom. <clears throat> Actually, if I were to be honest about it, I would say that we're often of two minds about honesty as, as a people, even a people of faith. On the one hand, everybody recognizes that honesty is good. We don't want to be liars. On the other hand, I think we have routine ways of dishonoring honesty. You know, we, we don't get super passionate about it. Uh, like the famous little white lie, right? We, we admit to ourselves that sometimes if you tell a lie for good intentions, it's okay, you know? Um, which, I don't know, you can evaluate that uh, yourself. Uh, we, we read, Jesus preaches, the truth shall set you free. But we have other little sayings in our culture like, the truth hurts, or um, I can't deal with that is one that you hear a lot. Now, what is that saying? It's like, well, I don't like that reality. Not, not now. Uh, and so we sort of excuse ourselves from being uh, fully honest. <clears throat> how powerful do you really think honesty is? How important 
do you really think honesty is? Take a moment and be honest with yourself. On a scale of one to 10, where would you put honesty in importance in the moral life? <clears throat> All right, everybody shout out your honest answer. Nine, seven, six, five, we're going down. <clears throat> Let's take a moment to, uh, to define honesty and to think about what it really is. Uh, what is. What is it at its core? My best definition for what honesty is and what the, the book of Proverbs suggests it is, is honesty is a dedication to reality. That's all it is. It's a dedication to reality. Being real, but not being real in that sort of popular pop culture sense of like being real with how you feel, uh, which is a cheap sort of honesty um, sometimes. It's, it's more like being real about who you are, which includes your feelings, uh, but is more than, than that. Or being real about how you are. Or being honest about the way things actually are in the world, in the universe. It's a full-blown dedication to reality. One of the best definitions of all, I think, is Honesty means not being fake. Simple. Honesty means not being fake. No pretension. You know what that word pretension is? You know, pretension, it comes from the same root as pretending. Pretension is one of my, my, my favorite useful words. Pretending means make-believe. It can be quite innocent. But pretension means making make-believe with the idea of getting away with it. You know, being false being false in a way that you try to pass off as true. When I say the word pretense, what other word do you think of? False pretense, right? They always go together. Pretentious. When we say someone is pretentious, what are we saying? Well, we're saying they're, they're fake, right? They're pretending to be someone they really aren't. Fake. Uh, if the Honesty Union had a t-shirt, I think that t-shirt would probably say, it is what it is. Um, honesty is about telling the truth. It's about living up to the truth as well. Words like integrity and fairness figure in to any definition. So here are some Proverbs uh, that you find uh, just, just in the, the handful of chapters that we're taking a look at this week. All of these Proverbs have something to do with honesty. Uh, the book is just filled with these sorts of things. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. A lying tongue hates, it hurts. A flattering mouth works ruin. In other words, honesty is really, really harmful, in case we weren't clear on it. Proverbs uh, 27, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke or honest rebuke, than hidden love. A hidden love, I, I think, means love that doesn't do anything, right? That's what concealed love is. Uh, but open rebuke, it is always good to be dedicated to reality, right? Even if it involves an awkward rebuke, because reality is how things get done. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, what does that mean? Well, you know, a friend you can trust is trying to do good, even if he or she ends up hurting you. It's still an honest effort. Honesty is good, uh, but an enemy multiplies 
kisses. Dishonesty hides evil, in other words, right? An enemy is trying to do evil to you, but, you know, it's playing all kissy-kissy, nicey-nicey. And that's a principle that, that will repeat through many of these proverbs. Dishonesty hides evil. It makes evil hard to see. And if evil is hard to see, it's all the more effective, all the more destructive. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You might not think that that's a proverb about honesty, uh, but, but I do. What it means is that, you know, uh, a relationship where there was sort of consistent, steady conflict where you will tolerate some abrasiveness, right, will, will do good uh, for you. Uh, in contrast to a sneaky avoidant relationship, and this is why I think it has to do with honesty, right? An honesty where you're clashing but sticking, a relationship where you're clashing and sticking with it is better than one of those relationships in which it's always comfortable. I think that's what the proverb is, is saying. Beware relationships that are always comfortable. Parenthetically, does anybody have a relationship that is always comfortable? Ha, I have proven a theory. Thank you. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Uh, confession is sort of proactive, aggressive honesty, right? It's like you've got something, it, it's hidden, but you can't stand to have it hidden, so you declare it. You refuse to be fake, even in a way that you could get away with. Um, uh, you will not tolerate hidden evil because um, concealment makes evil prosper. <clears throat> Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Again, here's this contrast between sort of open rebuke and a flattering tongue. So what is flattery? Flattery is... Well, it's a little bit dishonest, isn't it? I mean, that's the connotation of the word. You say nice things that aren't really true, and that does not end well. Or if you say harsh things that are true, that usually ends well. A good rebuke, a good honest, well-intentioned rebuke anyway, usually reaps a good harvest, even though it's awkward. The flattering tongue, though, is a dishonest one. I think what, what this proverb is saying at root is, if bad things are being done... Don't just play along in order to gain favor. Don't just play along in order to be nicey-nicey. That never helps. Never helps the situation, and it never helps you. Ultimately, honesty, truth, will win out in, in those situations. Years ago, um, I... Uh, I was in a difficult situation. I was involved with a business, and the business was sort of linked with a lot of church leaders, and, and I was working there. Uh, but there were some not-so-good things going on, uh, and I sort of, you know, nicely rang the alarm bell and said, oh, no, 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 you know, this, this is dishonest. This, this probably needs to, to be fixed. Well, I got fired, uh, and, and then I was sort of encouraged uh, to leave the church as well, ultimately, for, for linked reasons. And then years went by, like over 10 years. And then it came to light. It took a decade. And then it came to light, uh, at, at which point um, the people who, were, who had survived 
uh, sought me out for wisdom. Uh, because uh, even though I hadn't spoken to most of them in, in over a decade, reason being, I was honest in the first instance. And that sort of gave me some legitimacy and some power in the situation. But it might take 10 years. By justice, a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. Justice, uh, it means fairness. Justice is a, is a type of dedication to reality, right? Justice is calling white, white, and black, black. Whereas bribes are calling white gray or black gray, right? Bribes bend the rules. They bend reality. I think the point of this Proverbs is, is simply that honesty or dishonesty can shape an entire nation. You think that's true? 29.10, the bloodthirsty hate a person of integrity and seek to kill the upright. Bloodthirsty, that's about as, as evil as you could get, right? The wholly evil person hates a person of integrity and seeks to kill the upright. What this proverb is saying is that evil tries to eliminate honesty. That's what it does. Evil tries to eliminate integrity above all things. What evil wants more than anything else is blurred reality. What evil wants more than anything else in people is people who are willing to blur reality. That is the context in which evil thrives. And that's a theme that comes up a lot in these Proverbs. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. Why, why is that? Well, because if the person of power listens to lies, then there is great incentive for everyone to lie to make the most of the situation, to get away uh, with things. So uh, honesty begets honesty and dishonesty begets dishonesty. Maybe the most necessary quality for leaders is honesty. Leaders can make mistakes. They just have to be honest uh, about them uh, and then that makes them safe. Leaders that play games with integrity will always end up generating a corrupt government system. All the time. Yeah. Amen. You think that's true? Yeah. When the leaders lack integrity, everything below them gets skewed because they've established the rules of dishonesty. By contrast, uh, 29.14, if a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will be established forever. Honesty begets honesty. Right? Just like dishonesty begets dishonesty. Pay attention, leaders. Pay attention, parents. If you model honesty then it will beget honesty in your children. 29.27, the righteous detest the dishonest. The wicked detest the upright or the honest. Meaning, if you are a good person, it is in some large part because you have made a decision to be an honest person. If you are a bad person, it is in some large part because you have made a decision to be a dishonest person. That's how it works. All those Proverbs, plus so many others uh, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, one of my favorites from chapter 11, verse 3. The integrity or the honesty of the upright will guide them. But the perversiveness, uh, excuse me, perverseness or twistedness of transgressors shall destroy them. The honest person uh, is guided by honesty. In other words, if you are an honest person, you will always know what to do in life. It may be hard to do the thing that you know to do but you will always know what to do. If you are a dishonest person, you will often find yourselves what, you often find yourself confused about what to do 
in tough situations. I think that's true. Here's the thing about honesty to sort of sum up and condense. If you develop honesty in yourself as a virtue, then it will, de- it will empower the development of a lot of other virtues. Um, it's kind of like if you have a healthy heart, then all of your other body systems can be healthy. But if dishonesty is a part of you, uh, then it will actually kill all the other virtues in you. It's like a bad heart will ultimately make all of your body systems fall apart. Honesty is sort of the linchpin in virtue to, uh, to all the others. And dishonesty is like a toxic thing that will destroy even the virtues you have. You think that's true? I think that's because through dishonesty, we can hide our failings. Through dishonesty, we can conceal our weaknesses. We can keep those dubious parts of our lives secret. That's what dishonesty does, and that's usually why we're dishonest, right? We're trying to hide something bad. Through dishonesty, you can take shortcuts instead of doing the right thing. Dishonesty allows you to take moral shortcuts. Um, You can manipulate appearances instead of dealing with reality if you're dishonest. If you're dishonest, then you can generally just kind of avoid the healthy sort of crises, the reality checks that force you to make tough choices, the tough choices that enable you to grow as a person. Honesty keeps you squarely in the virtue development game. If you're honest about yourself, you have to honestly wrestle with moral choices. Um, force you to contend with your own morality, your own spiritual integrity. In contrast, dishonesty allows you to avoid the work of virtue. It allows you to avoid tough choices. You know, you can say things like, ah, that wasn't me. When maybe it was. Or you can say, you know, I didn't say that. When really you did. And you just need to wrestle with the thing that causes you to say stuff like that. Uh, You can say, well, that was just an accident when really you kind of wanted it to happen and you just need to deal with the wicked desire that pushed you to that place. Uh, Just to borrow an obvious example that gets a lot of press in the book of Proverbs, uh, you can think about how this works in, in marriage and faithfulness. You marry a spouse and you promise to be faithful to that spouse no matter what your momentary selfish desires might be. And you will do that unless you're a good liar. Um, You can safely cheat on your marriage vow if you're willing to lie about it, right? Lying is a necessary condition of cheating because nobody wants to be a cheater. But if you can cheat and not look like it, you're in. That's usually how it works, right? in that situation and others like it. So in short, honesty is the condition that enables other virtues to thrive. Dishonesty is the condition that kills whatever virtues happens to be around. Yes? You following me so far? Everybody got it? You think that's true? I think that's why honesty is such a big deal. And I think that's why it gets so much press. We're inclined to treat honesty as kind of like, what is honesty? Honesty is the iceberg lettuce of the dinner, right? 
It's like, yeah, you know, it's there, but it's never the main thing. Uh, but the book of Proverbs writes uh, a lot about uh, honesty because, you know, it's the necessary thing. It's the necessary thing in the moral and, and fruitful life. The degree to which you're honest will largely determine the degree to which you grow as a person. Period. Bold statement, but a very true statement. Uh, and the degree to which uh, you grow will determine the fruitfulness of your life as a spiritual person. Yes? Amen? Is that true? Honest? So I think it begs the question, what do we do to excuse ourselves from being honest? Uh, and a lot of the Proverbs about honesty are about excuses, right? They point to what I call a soft sort of dishonesty, not like an outright bold lie, but a, a soft dishonesty. There are a lot of Proverbs about flattery, for instance. I read a couple of those. There's that proverb about hidden love where you just sort of, well, I would like to be virtuous, but I have it. I don't really need to do it. You know, that's sort of a, that's sort of a soft dishonesty, right? Or a really, really cheap honesty, however you, you care uh, to look at it. Um, rebukes or open rebukes. There are a lot of proverbs about that. Why? Well, because rebukes are awkward, right? So if you know something is going wrong, but you don't say anything, well, that's sort of a soft dishonesty, right? That's a sin of omission. And you get all these proverbs about precisely that, soft dishonesty. And, and, and what we do is we excuse ourselves in those situations. We say things like, it will cause too much trouble. And a good person doesn't want to cause trouble, right? We say that a lot. Or it will just hurt someone if, if I speak honestly, which is sometimes true, right? I mean, we don't have to say every true thing all the time. Jesus was quite famous for not criticizing, for instance. You know, there are some things that uh, we don't want to say, but you have, to, you have to measure your intent. Why am I not saying this? Am I, am I not saying this to be a blessing, or am I not saying this in order to just be convenient or to stay in favor with these people or, or something like that? Um, Self-deception, I think, is a way that we excuse ourselves in moments of soft dishonesty. Here's how I think self-deception usually works. When when we know what the right thing to do is, but we really don't want to face it honestly, we don't lie to ourselves. We don't say, oh, that's not the right thing to do. What we do is we just choose not to think about that thing. Avoidance is the number one strategy of self-deception. Right? Does that resonate with anyone? Right? Here's a really tough situation, or here's an inconvenient thing I did that I should really deal with. I'm really busy today. I'm just not going to think about that. In fact, it's a really busy week. In fact, now it's been six months, and it would just be stupid to go revisit that thing. That's how it works, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Avoidance is the number one cause of, of self-deception, or self-deception is the number one cause of avoidance. I'm not sure how it works, but there you go. Or we say to ourselves something like, well, it's not really a lie. It's an exaggeration. Or, you know, it's, it's just a spin I'm putting on things. It's not really an outright lie. And that can kind of be true in, in, in a way that's okay. I mean, 
theoretically, I might exaggerate how beautiful a person's new dress is, right, in order to accomplish something good. Do you think that's okay? Well, at least I've got you thinking about it. The newly married man is saying, oh, yes, that's, that's perfectly okay. You know, that proverbial question, does this dress make me look fat? You get a free moral pass whenever, whenever that, that question is asked. You know, you don't want to outright, outright lie, but you can say, the color is fantastic on you. It's sort of an exaggeration for a holy purpose. All I'm saying is wisdom can be applied to these situations, uh, which, you know, some, some of these excuses can sort of be valid some of the time. And that's what makes it so easy for us to get screwed up where honesty is concerned. And it's why honesty must be developed as a habit. It's why we have to be ruthless about honesty so that we're, when we're faced with these, you know, wiggle room type situations, we have good instincts that help us to make the good call reflexively. So here are some tips for developing the habit of honesty. And all virtues are really just good habits. They have to be developed habitually. So here you go. Uh, the big one, the big one, confession. You have to be a person who confesses your mistakes, your sins, and your weaknesses regularly. You have to develop that discipline. Be honest. How many of you have a regular habit of confession with someone that, that you trust or some group that you trust? Okay, that's a problem. If five of us out of hundreds of us have a habit of confession, you are setting yourself up for trouble. You're not strengthening. You're not working out the honesty muscle. The honesty muscle. So uh, you know, we, there, are, there are events that we do or, or uh, ministries that we do where we do confession regularly. We just throw everybody in a circle and we say, all right, admit something that embarrasses you a little bit. Why? Confession is good for the, the soul. Uh, one who confesses his sins uh, will prosper, the proverb tells us. It helps to have a partner to do this. Ohana groups are great places to do this. You know, I've been in groups where we kind of divide into men and women and just kind of have a confession time. Uh, that's good. A definition of a good confession partner is someone who asks probing questions. You know, someone who knows I have a weakness and will say, all right, tell me, how bad is it? <laughs> and we just sort of butt in. You want to have a partner who is a good buttinski. Do you guys have any good buttinskis in your life? I've got, I've got several. Dang it. Uh, the act of general confession is not bad either. Um, a general confession uh, is, is just boasting in your weakness, as Paul would put it. Um, you know, I, I, I try to be uh, rather boastful, rather declaratory about my, my foibles, my big general weaknesses. Like, I'm not a very interactive person is a weakness of mine. Everybody gasp. I know, those of you who know, it's shocking. I'm not, I'm not very extroverted. I'm not very interactive. Sometimes that's really just me being unresponsive, which is a sort of laziness. Right? So it can stray into a bad area. I know that, so I talk about it a lot. I make fun of myself, and everybody uh, knows this is an area of weakness. What's another area of weakness I have that I talk about a lot? 
Hmm? Yeah, anger, I have a quick temper, right? And so 12 people said that all at once. I, <clears throat> I'm such a good teacher, that's why. Uh, but what that does is, you know, it just makes it clear. Uh, and so you know I have that weakness, and you can help keep me honest. Maybe you don't have a quick temper. Maybe you're not unresponsive. Maybe you're lustful or gluttonous or fear-driven, but boast about it. That's a good habit as well, and it leads to the habit of confession. And finally, my last tip, do a lie log. Make a log of your lies or exaggerations or spins or stuff like that. Here's an experiment. For 10 days, make a list of all the things that you say that are not quite honest. Um, for me, I don't lie about big moral issues, usually, uh, but I, I, I am often a little bit dishonest about what I call complications or things that I simply don't want to deal with at the time. You know, I'm not quite lying about something, but I'm just kind of avoiding the truth a little bit. I give answers that aren't totally dishonest. They're just kind of incomplete. Uh, and mostly I do that for reasons of convenience because I don't want to wade into complications, you know. I, I'm often involved in decisions that are complicated because many parties are involved uh, in, in those decisions. So I'll say something like, oh, he said it was fine. We can just go ahead when really what he said was it's fine under these conditions. But I don't really want to get into it. I don't really want to talk about it because I don't like the energy or because it's complicated or something like that. But that's sort of a soft dishonesty and I need to be a bit more ruthless with myself uh, about that. If you do a lie log, then probably what, what you'll do is you will lie less, right? Because if you know you're doing the log, it will prevent you from doing things that you have to enter on the log. So it often doesn't work, but at least it develops an awareness. And that is a healthy exercise. Try it. Report in see how it goes. I want to leave you with just a picture of goodness. You know, we've said that honesty leads to a good person. Here's a portrait of a good person. A good person is a confident person who admits mistakes. I think that's a pretty good proverbial statement. It's true enough to be really powerful. If you know a confident person who easily admits mistakes, I tell you that's a good person. That's a person whom you trust. Does that resonate with anyone? And this is what I strive to be, a confident person. What's that? Confident, confier. It means with faith. You know, a person of faith who admits mistakes as opposed to a person of faith who hides his mistakes because, you know, he's supposed to be a person of faith and shouldn't have any. That, to me, is a picture of honest faith. Honest faith. If you're struggling with faith in your life, if you're struggling to live as a person of faith, I can say to you with great assurance, you are struggling with honesty. That's what you're struggling with. And you should seriously consider making a big deal about honesty in your life. And then watch your faith, your confidence problems just work themselves out. Think about it. Just something I suggest to you today. Let's pray.
yeah, Lord, uh, we humbly ask for help, that you would rid us of mistakes, that you would rid us of sin, that you would rid us of transgressions and evil habits. Uh, but Lord, uh, I pray for supernatural help first and just making us honest about our mistakes, our sins, our habits, our inclinations. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we purpose ourselves to be people dedicated to reality. The truth shall set you free if, uh, if you're honest about it. So make us people of truth, people of reality, not just people who know doctrine or know the right answer, but people who are really dedicated to reality, things as they truly are. In the name of Jesus, I speak grace, no condemnation. It is written, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. But if you have some conviction about dishonesty in your life, celebrate. That's good. We're growing as a people. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Maybe there's someone here today who just really hasn't been honest about God and his life or her life. You just need to approach him differently. That is called repentance, is what that's called. It means changing the way that you think, which leads to changing the way that you live, of course. If you need to be an honest person, let's just make a simple general confession right now. You can just stand up if you want to make a repentance unto honesty. You don't have to say what it is or anything. Just stand where you are. And then I'll just pray over you and we'll close that way. It is what it is from here on out. Whatever it is, it is what it is. We are dedicated to reality. In order that we might be confident people who are honest about our mistakes and weaknesses. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, I bless you for your honest hearts. Be relieved in your spirit, unburdened in your heart. Uh, you are forgiven and free, and it's truth that will protect your freedom from here on out. The Lord be gracious to you and cause his face to shine upon you fully. There is no shadow in him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.